Where welcome. is the button that does the thing? Where's the button? Oh, we found it. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of Unfortunately Required <clears throat> Reading. We are reading Madame Bovary. Yes, we are. Wh- why? I. You know what? <laughs> I don't know. It's. I feel like a lot of this journey has been you suggesting books that you liked and then you coming to hate them. I think yeah. this was mine. Like, it's, I I really liked this book. And then I reread it, and I wanted to light it on fire. Uh, full disclosure, everyone. Uh, your co-host is sick. Tori, would you like to explain the message you got last Saturday, approximately two or three hours before recording? So I got a message saying, hey, I'm at urgent care. I don't think we can record. Can we punt till next week? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Um Amanda is okay. Um, she yes. does not have the COVIDs. No. Um, but there is something going on and she's getting it taken care of. Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> current tally is either an upper respiratory infection or pneumonia. Which we're hoping it's more upper respiratory, easy to knock out, not pneumonia. I mean, I, I've, I've gotten pneumonia before. It's a... Uh... It's a thing, but uh, listen to your body, kids. Uh, don't do what I did, which is uh, languish until walking to your bathroom required three breaks to rest. <laughs> and Tori's been in my apartment. That's not a far walk. It, it so, isn't. <laughs> it's really not. It's really, really not. Uh, in my time of recovering, I have been torturing Tori with uh, my 600 pound life. <laughs> which is which is kind of amazing because it's it's we have this whole conversation about how it's like, oh, let, let's be sympathetic, but also we're gonna have show them eating an entire cheese pizza and negating the entire point they just made. Oh my God, yeah, like, so for our listeners who are not American, or don't watch reality television in the way that I do, a person who's trying to violently escape their feelings. Um, My 600 pound life chronicles people who are over 600 pounds on their journey to bariatric surgery and air quotes health, because remember the BMI does not exist. Obesity is not a real disease. While there are plenty of issues with being big, there's also plenty of non-issues about that, but that's a whole other podcast. Basically, the BMI was invented to terrorize women. Mm-hmm. So it's real fun think, because doctors, yeah. so, some doctors still do actively believe in it. My my doctor was mm-hmm. kind of stunned because I came in and she's like, oh my God, this this chick is probably has type two diabetes. Keep in mind, I am not that big on a scale of like 600 pound life. I'm nowhere near that. Um, exactly. not, not that that isn't, I, I mean, it, it happens. I do have a disorder where my body decides it wants to hold on to stuff because it's absolutely terrified that um, my insulin's mm-hmm. not going to work anymore. It's a whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, my doctor got my blood test back and was like, you're perfect. Your cholesterol is perfect. Your triglycerides are perfect. Everything on here is perfect. And I just had to sit there and be like, mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about other options and like taking my concerns seriously about other things? Cool. 
(laughs) Yeah, I have the unfortunate uh, two-part symptom of being black and having a bad family history. So that's fun. But um, yeah, my 600-pound life might have the worst framing of any television show I've ever seen. Because yeah, they'll have this like moving voiceover of like, I feel like a monster. I don't belong in this community. I don't know why they became Eric from Phantom of the Opera. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Are you going to create like a fantasy murder prison? Oh my God. I'd love that. But then like the next scene is like the famous one. And I think we'll probably put this in the show notes now is a lady who like takes her rascal scooter through the drive through at McDonald's. And the whole like dialogue is just, I feel so out of place. The freak show, if people want to see the fat woman, they just need to hope I leave my apartment. And it's like, ma'am, ma'am, no one's making you do this. No, (laughs) the producers aren't producing that much. You chose this. So there's a guy with the camera who has to watch you cross the street in your rascal scooter and then drive through McDonald's and get like a 20 piece nugget and then drive back while you're talking about how out of place in society you feel. Well, what's really frustrating about that show is so many of these people have legitimate life trauma. They do. They have legitimate problems that if they had been addressed by society that actually takes mental illness seriously, Mm -hmm. we would not have this problem. And I'm not like trying to victim blame or anything like that. We've we know that that's not the team that I hang out on. No. But it's just, it's heartbreaking because it's like, well, if we had made services available, this wouldn't be a problem, you know? And then now they're getting blamed for a bunch of stuff. And anyway, we know me getting angry and refusing to watch most TLC shows. So, I mean, I don't know when this started. It's a show that I used to hate because, full disclosure, my mother was morbidly obese. She was never up to 600 pounds but she was usually in like the three to five range. So I don't know why I watch shows like this outside of just like, I guess, self-flagellation. It's like, hey, remember all those feelings that you didn't touch about your mom? There's an hour and a half block about that. I used to watch, I will admit, I used to watch My Strange Addiction, I think it was. And I finally got so irritated because I used to watch it with one of my best friends in California. And he and I would sit there and I would be like, you know what's really frustrating? This girl's getting married and I am single as hell. Um, Which was stupid. Mood. And mean. But it was one of those things where it's like, I I had to stop watching it because I'm like, why... Like, it's, it's basically, a lot of TLC shows are just modern-day freak show. It's just modern-day yeah. freak show. We want to see what the terror is so we can avoid it. It's a lot of, like, true crime and stuff like that, which I love and I understand is problematic, to say the least. Yeah. But, like, I'm listening to this whole series right now about Silvio Bertoscone. I don't can't pronounce it. It's Italian, which is a lie. Um <laughs> Bertoscone? I don't know. I'm sorry. Italians are Italians. Real. Italians are delightful. Um, but I know. <clears throat> what is the Eddie Izzard thing? Just going around on scooters saying ciao. Um, Except for when they're really racist. Well, xenophobia is an issue not just in the United States, but all of Europe. The UK. I don't which think is I got catcalled. I don't think I got catcalled more anywhere else than in Rome. 
I didn't even look good. I was in like Dora the Explorer pants and like an old Navy t-shirt. I just totally pictured you in the full Dora the Explorer outfit. That's pretty much what I think I was wearing. I'll have to find a picture of me in Rome, but I'm pretty sure I was like Black Dora the Explorer. Dude, if a guy like comes up and grabs your butt, you're like, swipe or no swiping. Pretty much. Like, (laughs) and it's so weird because I know Latin, so I know just enough to be dangerous. And it's like, that's not word you say at woman. (laughs) I had a guy um, once at uh, when I worked at Barnes and Noble who didn't know that I spoke Spanish. And I was standing at the, the counter. And he looks at my hair and he looks at his friend and says in Spanish, I wonder if the curtains match the carpet. Eh. And what he didn't realize is that I understood every word he said. And I raised my eyebrow and he looks at me, he goes, it's a compliment. I go, I speak Spanish. It's not a compliment. He, that man paid faster than any person I've ever seen, got his purchases and hightailed it out of there. It was hysterical. And I'm sitting there going, God, I can't imagine him doing this to another cashier. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we're in France for some reason. Uh, what are we eating and drinking now? I made this note last week when I thought that I wasn't going to die. So initially, Amanda's suggestion was leftover New Year's champagne will do just fine. Yes, that's no longer an option in my house. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually got a bottle of champagne from my job. Oh, cool. So I have an, a beautiful unopened bottle of champagne that I am too sick to consume because the, oh, adult fact, please do not mix cough medicine and alcohol. Oh, no, friend. Oh, no. Like, just, I can't take a lot of cough medicine anyways because I have asthma and you're not supposed to really take a cough suppressant because that's how you get double pneumonia. Because the whole point is to get the stuff out. So if you suppress your cough on already weak lungs, that's how you get pneumonia in both lungs. Ooh, I'm not a so fan I, of this. This has been my life for 30 years. <laughs> Exhausted, sick, Amanda. So what um, I'm, I'm drinking currently yes. is, looks really gross, but it's actually okay. It's called tequila rose um i oh. won it in a raffle at work that they just left it on that. my desk for me since i've been working from home <coughs> mm-hmm. um but it is strawberry flavored tequila which sounds like it'd be really gross like a strawberry cream it's delicious but it's actually pretty good um it's better served yeah. cold so it is cold um but mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of like the blue milk from star wars just pink uh i have a very tall glass of water and a a cough drop that reminds me that I have a sordid past. <laughs> okay, now I want to know. So this is going to involve some pantomiming for those of you who uh, listen to this podcast. But um, in Fredericksburg, next to a distillery, a winery, there's a chocolate shop. Mm-hmm. And that chocolate shop sells these little chocolates that are like hollowed out with a little wafer. And they have like a shot of alcohol. Right. They're the best thing I've ever had in my life. So they give you very specific instructions because it's just like a shot of alcohol. It's not like an amaretto cream or some shit like that. Like, no, it's just fucking amaretto. So they give you very specific instructions on how to take this alcohol shot. 
and I was with a friend and she had a bit of a hard time with it because you're supposed to like put it on your tongue, bite, pause, and then like swallow the liquor and then eat the chocolate. My friend had a bit of a hard time with it at first because it's it's an aggressive shot. Like there's a good amount per like chocolate fantasy. And I had no problem with just bite, hold, and then swallow to the extent that the guy sampling the chocolate was like, oh, this has been um, practiced, let's say. Did he feel it was enlightening? I hope so. I hope we learned something. Um, I kind of feel like we should just tell our listeners the first 15 minutes of this is just going to be Amanda and me talking. <laughs> we haven't seen each other. I got I know. sick. And then Tori made me Welsh cakes that I like hoarded like a small furry animal. <laughs> I can make you more, dude. No, oh my god. I was just like I I don't think I've ever been more in love with a married woman. <laughs> I was I like, think... hey, I've had these before at a Ren Fair. I could do this. Actually, sorry, no, it was think... a Scots fair. Oh. The Welsh like to hang out. They're pretty cool. But there's actually a whole company that just makes these and sells them. Well, when we're not in lockdown at fairs. Does anyone like the Welsh outside of the Welsh? Um, I like the Welsh, but I'm also part Welsh, so, but at least... I mean, I like the Welsh, like, that's not... It just seems like no one talks about them. Are they okay? They are. They're just kind of in the middle of English territory and always have been, and so it's pretty interesting. I think one of my favorite things that I read recently with, like, all the xenophobic crap was um, there were... Was and I probably talked about this on the show before, but it's it's like Mm -hmm. an anecdote now that there were two Welsh people talking in Welsh, and this guy said you know, this is the UK, speak English. And they looked at him and said, well, we're in Wales and we're speaking effing Welsh. So like, um, I would also not want to fuck with a Welsh person. Oh, no. They seem very, they seem very calm on the outside, but I feel like there's a switch in there that if you flip, it's just full, like Braveheart. It's like general grievous, like knives come out out of like nowhere and extra appendages. You have accurate? you have Hulu, so I definitely recommend watching the show Stage. It's Michael okay. Sheen and David Tennant, and Michael Sheen is Welsh. Okay. David Tennant okay. is very Scottish. Um, okay, but yeah, you get color and all sorts of random stuff. Um, complete disaster. That sounds all right. Great. So on to Madame Bovary. Yeah, finally, we've been trying to avoid it. <laughs> I, I but between being sick missing each other and then honestly just not wanting to talk about this uh french train wreck so it's funny that you use the phrase (laughs) train wreck because this is basically the french anna karenina and anna karenina is better (laughs) i think both are bad but i respect your opinion all right so the story begins with charles bovary and some pretty obvious child trauma uh we're pretty concerned about his ability to function as a human being anyway um Mm -hmm. he is the absolute definition of mediocre white man and i don't feel like gustave flaubert tries to even cover that up yeah so he goes to school he evidently can't wear his hat properly he has a lot of problems Mm -hmm. he's totally brought or or described as basically a mama's boy but in like nicer french terms um, he fails his first attempt at his medical exam and then basically ends up becoming a country doctor. 
his mm-hmm. mom is very involved in his life and goes you're gonna marry this rich widow okay and he's like okay mom charles is out helping a patient one day and he ends up coming across this super hot girl named emma who's very very innocent but mm-hmm. he's still married so he just kind of hangs out and watches her which is mm-hmm. weird and comes up with excuses to go like treat his former patient his first wife Heloise ends up dropping dead and mostly because she finds out that she no longer has the money that she thought she had and Charles Mm -hmm. learns that he is no longer getting money from Heloise now that she's dead and all that fun stuff you have a Mm -hmm. bright light um my lamp got possessed (laughs) it was like if the power of Christ compels you it's your demon oh god so Charles is still way into Emma, so he goes back and proposes to her. They have a fairly elaborate wedding. They move to a town called, which again, we have the fun thing where I took Spanish instead of French. So it's Toasts, I think it is, where Charles works. But Emma was a convent the village girl. Of toast? I don't toast. Um, evidently everyone there is having a stroke at all times. Anyway, um, Emma was a convent girl originally, so she has some pretty lofty ideas that she got from novels, and she thought marriage would solve all her problems and that she'd be magically in love with her husband for all time, which I feel a lot of us thought this at 20. Anyway, so needless Mm -hmm. to say, the marriage very much does not live up to her expectations. And rather than being the wife of a wealthy nobleman and going to extravagant parties, like she attends one of them and she's really into it. Emma's pretty much stuck at home all the time. She's bored, she's depressed, and then she gets sick. And then she gets pregnant. And Charles is like, I'm such a good doctor. I have an idea of what we can do to make you feel better. We'll move to a new town. What? No. Because they didn't really focus on things like depression. That was just a woman's issue. It also didn't exist. It was hysteria. Yes, it was considered to be, oh, this is an issue because she has a uterus. Anyway, so they move to the town of Yonville and they meet the town pharmacist, Homai. I think it is Homais. I don't know. Um, He is another mediocre white man who really, really likes to hear himself talk and likes to get involved in everybody's business. Emma also meets a law clerk named leon and she and leon have a lot in common because they both hate living in the country and both use romantic novels to escape Uh, emma ends up giving birth to her daughter birthday and she's disappointed with that too she wanted a son she continues to be depressed and then romantic feelings spark between her and leon and emma realizes leon loves her but she feels guilty for her feelings, so she throws herself into the role of dutiful wife. Leon gets tired of waiting and goes off to study law in Paris. So now Emma is even more miserable because she no longer has that distraction. Mm-hmm. So that was a fairly innocent thing. It was mostly an, an issue of the mind. But this is where it gets really bad. Mm-hmm. Emma goes to a local agriculture fair like you do when there is absolutely nothing to do in the country, having lived there. And Excuse she, me, the State Fair of Texas used to be the state's largest agricultural fair. I will hear nothing of your deception. I want to eat fried Oreos under Big Tex when he's not on fire. So for those of you who don't live in Texas, I think it was 2012, there is a giant Texan man statue, which actually originally used to be a Santa Claus, um, yes, at the State Fair Pavilion up in north texas and yes. he's got 
you know, big hat. And he used to go, howdy. Well, no, he doesn't say howdy. He just says something. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, there was an electrical issue and it caught fire and burned up in a matter of minutes. You can watch the video on YouTube, which now I feel like I have to write down. Um, And it's it's pretty dramatic. It ended up getting replaced. Because he keeps talking. Yes, because it's it's like saying howdy as it's like burning. Right. Um, And you just see these people going, what? what is happening thankfully everything's been replaced it's pretty but then we had covid so they canceled the state for our last year anyway yeah also uh big tax is the wearer of the largest pair of jeans in the world mm-hmm. yes he is this is a part of the texas indoctrination if you yes. wanted to peek behind the curtain uh these are things that we all just know mm-hmm what's really weird too is when you come from another state and you get here it's like you start learning these things as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. and you're going hey yeah i totally have a waffle iron that's in the shape of texas which i don't i have one in the shape of a skull but that's a whole other thing um i think if i get a texas waffle iron i'm gonna be too powerful you'll be more texan than anyone could ever need i already have one of those hotel uh, cereal dispensers the one that you turn I feel like I'll just like open up a bed and breakfast. In your living room? Yes. (laughs) One corner you put like one of those panel things up and you're like, oh, it's like, it's like a Japanese home. So anyway, oh, hey, River. Hey, look, there's a cat. Anyway. Yes. Back to agricultural affairs and cats. Um, So she goes, she ends up meeting her neighbor, Rodolph, Rodolph, Rudolph. Close enough. Rolf. I don't know. It's Rodolph. Anyway, um, he suddenly <coughs> is like, I'm going to declare my love for you, which is really interesting because as he's declaring her lo- his love for her, the guy mm-hmm. behind him is talking about a manure contest. Yeah. Which is a sign. Anyway. And she's like, oh, let me go ahead and take my top off. Anyway, Rodolphe seduces her. They begin a passionate affair. Mm. But she's really not good at being discreet. So the whole Mm -mm. town knows, except Charles. Charles is completely blinded by his love for his wife. Like, he's just like, my wife is perfect in every way. And everyone's like, snicker, snicker, snicker. Mm -hmm. So Charles is also having his own problems. He's basically Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. So he and Homai attempt to do a leg surgery on a club-footed man, and they end up having to call in another doctor who has to amputate the leg because they screwed up so bad. Jesus. So Emma is really irritated about how stupid she thinks her husband is, and so mm-hmm. she throws herself way more into this affair with Rodolphe than she probably should. Mm-hmm. This is a kind of problem because though Rodolphe is really like enjoys sex with her, he's getting bored, and Emma's mm-hmm. like, hey... I'm going to borrow money and I'm going to buy you gifts and we should run away together. And Rodolph is like, yeah, um, I don't really want a kid and Mm. uh, I don't really want to spend my money on you. So no thanks. Emma gets heartbroken, sick and almost dies. So she gets better only to discover that Charles is also in financial trouble for borrowing money to pay off Emma's debts for her medical care because basically he kind of just stopped working um Mm -hmm. still he takes her to the opera and they end up running into leon and this rekindles the feelings between emma and leon and they start an affair and emma Mm -hmm. keeps going to rouen which is a city to see him and she's getting deeper and deeper in debt to a money lender who's charging insane rates 
and she is very careless <clears throat> about her affair and many acquaintances fig- almost figure out that she's a cheater pants so <clears throat> she ends up getting bored with leon and he's kind of getting bored with her mm-hmm. so she decides that instead of dumping him she's just going to get really weird and very demanding her mm-hmm. debts are huge and the money lender is like i'm going to come take some property now so she's really freaked out that charles is going to find out so she goes back to rodolph and says hey if i have sex with you will you maybe help me with my debts and he's like wow that's insulting so he's very nope to the idea and with no other options she decides to kill herself by eating arsenic and she dies in horrible agony charles Mm -hmm. buries her in her wedding dress because he Mm -hmm. thinks that she is a picture of innocence and perfection which the rest of the town again is like snicker 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 and he pines Mm. for this idealized image of his wife but then opens a drawer one day and finds all these letters to her lovers he dies Mm -hmm. alone in his garden and his daughter is sent to work off in a cotton mill what the hell so Flaubert the whole thing with this is there's like the whole concept of literary realism so people Mm -hmm. are described like people you would actually see and interact with Um, settings are described very realistically it's not like oh look this beautiful fair it's there's a guy talking about actual manure Um, right what's interesting about this and one of the reasons that this is a novel that's continued to be read in school and continued to be shared is that this was one of the first times that instead of placing all the blame on the woman they made her sympathetic and they made Mm -hmm. Charles sympathetic to some Mm -hmm. extent as well. Now we read this with a modern eye and be like, oh my gosh, girl, anyone else? Um, But at the time it was like, look, Charles is very innocent. He's, you know, Mm -hmm. been under his mother's thumb for years. He, Mm -hmm. you know, was doing the best he can with the lack of real education. and Emma is very much described as, you know, look how, you know, she's this innocent convent girl. Novels have ruined her, which is an interesting rhetoric that you hear a lot from this time period. Um, uh, and to this day, depending on who you talk to. Which is interesting because we now have Bridgerton on Netflix and all these people are like, this show is so good. I've, I've watched a few episodes. It's not really my cup of tea. It's okay. Um, it's okay. really well filmed. Um, as far as Shondaland stuff, I prefer Scandal, but um, even though that's really unbelievable. Yes. The, but at the same time, people are like, oh, this is based on a romance novel series? I had no idea, which is funny because there's a lot yeah. of romantic elements. Um, there are. But there's always been this kind of, oh, you know, we're giving people these false fantasies. It's like, what do you think most adventure novels are, friend? sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy regular fiction half the time <clears throat> it's Police escapism <laughs> i see what you're going with that um but it's it's interesting um as far as like themes and symbols too the whole thing about her being buried in her wedding dress to represent her purity mm-hmm. is the funniest like saddest joke at the same time it is it's also like such a tragic arrested development because like you can tell that's where she stopped for him like that's it 
he, she will always be this like virginal bride that was still that innocent little convent girl rather than the complex mature woman she ended up being and that's really disappointing because she really is a very complex character more so than I think most novels would have given her credit for mm-hmm. um, the problem with a book like this and um, I think we discussed this when we did a doll's house is that not only do we bring modern sensibilities to this we also bring our own feelings and traumas into it mm-hmm. so I remember reading this book in school and like a lot of people just hating it and it's like I can kind of see where she's coming from and then you look behind me and there's all these like boxes of mommy trauma <laughs> well what's interesting too is her <clears throat> character is a little bit like Brett from the sun, so, uh, the sun also rises Hemingway mm-hmm. where <clears throat> sometimes you read this book and you hate her you absolutely right. hate her you're like well you're just stupid mm-hmm. and then you get older and you go through things and you go oh I mean what were her choices right what were her options back then and as much as this feels realistic because whenever someone talks like literary realism unfortunately I think of like James Joyce and stuff like that which I know Mm -hmm. is not the same but like this doesn't feel like that to me which is good because please don't make me read Ulysses again James Joyce was a massive dick a massive dick Mm -hmm. so (laughs) have I so there's a hilarious part of TikTok that's just like white men with bull lips for some reason what like they want to like show off and be Indiana Jones and immediately all of black TikTok will find those videos and will be like I'm picking the cotton as fast as I can master like they'll just they'll just ruin these videos because realistically it is the year of our lord 2021 if you have a bullwhip and you're just like in a field you know what you're doing now if you, you have don't. a bullwhip and you're in a bdsm club a right bit different <laughs> like if you're just like out in your yard like your suburban yard with a bullwhip you you know you know exactly who you are. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, please don't make me read Ulysses again. Please, I'll pick faster. I promise. Um, do you so, want to talk about love declarations? Uh, uh, <laughs> um, having been the receiver and the giver of love declarations many times. Mm-hmm. hormones are a hell of a drug um Rodolph declaring his love to Emma in front of somebody discussing a manure contest it's like Flaubert just pointing going this guy is full of shit <laughs> and it's just it's very clear um I don't know so uh, we know Charles Dickens was paid by the word yeah we know if Flaubert was paid by the word probably because I know back then victor hugo was oh is that why victor hugo novels are ridiculous yes oh also he's a bad writer i've actually never read any victor hugo so i don't oh don't say that i get a birthday this year no no you were trying i don't think we've actually figured out or figured out which we're gonna read next time yet either have we yeah we have a list somewhere and then i contracted uh the plague so do you want to we be were trying so fucking hard 
so like I, I need you all to understand last year for 2020 Amanda and I were like business 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 numbers business and we had notebooks and we went to lunch and we, we sat had a down. meeting we had a legitimate outside meeting from the house and we're like this is what we're gonna do this is what we're gonna focus on we're gonna do our first live show and then COVID was like that's cute yeah so then and our then li- first live show was online pre-recorded was. yes um and then it was just kind of like all right we'll figure it out as we go along and so yes. we're like this year we've got a list of books we know what we're gonna do and then all of a sudden it was like oh shit um well um please don't die i think i, I also think that unfortunately we do have to uh, preface in that uh, as of the recording of this episode uh, a bunch of fucking terrorists took over the capital a few days ago yeah so we had a we had a coup attempt so, um, um i don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the actual coup because um i'm exhausted from fever and uh, a racist patriarchal country yeah which sounds like my tony morrison novel i mean it could be this could but, be uh, the year <laughs> but uh we do have to acknowledge that and i want to definitely say uh if you're not okay that's okay i'm more concerned about the people that are okay because i don't think anyone can look at those images and be like we did great unless you're just a fucking fascist yeah i do appreciate all the memes that are coming out of it though the memes are great oh my gosh the memes are so good because at this point Uh, we just don't know how to deal with it anymore so we just take images from the news and add captions over them like it's there's an excellent uh pbs idea channel video about like literally me memes being like a type of postmodern uh self-reflection which i feel like is a video that was only made for me <laughs> like mike rugnetta like zapped into my brain and made this video just for me so thank you oh and yeah like what else are we supposed to do uh literal people stormed the capital it's like the storming of the bastille but bad so what's really interesting, and I, I think I texted you this, <clears throat> this happened in 1993 in Russia. Yeah, it did. So that's that's what it's so funny is that, you know, we hear all this stuff about how much they hate Russia and how corrupt they think they are, but they're following mm-hmm. their playbook. Anyway. Sorry, uh, but I just wanted to put that out there um, because I know I wasn't okay for a few days. And the only reason why I am okay is that I have a bad habit of drinking things out of mugs and I feel like a very, very sad baby Yoda. That's I'll just fair. like sit on, Do you at least I'll get just sit on my sofa. I can't eat them. Oh, that's right. Almonds. We don't do that. Just other cookies. No, we don't. <laughs> other cookies. Oh, literally. Oh, why did no one tell me that Biscoff comes in chocolate dipped? I did not know that it came in chocolate dipped. I figured that out at World Market. You, you bitches been holding out on me and I'm upset. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's definitely a great irony to uh, an I love you Christine moment. 
being drowned out by a manure contest. It's also like, it's one of those things that again, it's probably not very funny to us, but this probably would have like killed back in the day. That's a joke that would have killed. What I think is really funny too is there's a part where Rodolph is writing a letter to Emma basically saying, I'm not running away with you. He has it put in the bottom of a basket of fruit and he literally can't bring himself to cry. So he sprinkles water on the letter like, oh, I'm so disheartened. It's like the ultimate fuck boy. And I love that shit so much. It's like, oh, I can't cry, but she's going to think I'm mean if I don't do this. It's like, dude, you're leaving her stranded. She's going to think you're mean regardless. I know. I know. It's just so like little things like that I think are just very funny and I think like to make this philosophical I think like that's one of the big problems that we have with reading books like this nowadays is that like those things just aren't funny to people anymore or to like most disinterested high school kids like they were great to me when I was like 17 and moody still moody but like that's just not funny in the same way that it was you know, a hundred years ago. And that's like really such a disservice to people because you get these books that are just like fucking hilarious if you've read literally any other book. You want to talk about fashion? Sure. She is really, really into clothes. She is doing the most. Because she wants to be she wants to be where the people are, like the rich people. Um, she has, the, the whole thing starts off like the money lender slash store owner dude comes up and he's like, look, I have all of these amazing scarves. You should have these. You're beautiful and they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I should probably ask my <clears throat> husband. And he's like, Husbands. nah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- you see a lot of keeping up with the Joneses in this and a lot of it being expressed as like fashion being a way to like ascribe uh, rank and taste in a person. Cause I know this as a semi-single person in 2021, there are a lot of things that I'm judging about you in your dating profile. And one of them is what you're wearing. And we do that. Like, I, oh my God, I still hate this to this day. It was when it's like, don't judge a book by its cover. That's literally what covers are for. <laughs> that's, that's literally why we cover books. Otherwise, it would just be unadorned manuscripts. Like, that's literally why cover exists. You can tell a lot about someone based on how they dress. And the fact that Emma takes such care in noticing that kind of thing. That's one of those, like, female soft skills that no one talks about. Because we have to be aware of that because again, there are some outfits that are like a danger flag. There are some pieces of clothing that are like a danger flag. I hate that we have to know these things so we don't get raped and murdered, but you know, we definitely have a good idea of what danger looks like. Most of us have a pretty good simulacra of person I should not go on a date with in real life it's one of those things where the lower his neckline is the more concerned you should probably be yeah if he has a wooden Japanese training sword in the background of his photo 
How did you, you know about my fiance, my ex-fiance? <laughs> because I also probably dated him. God, I hope not. Like, and if he's holding it like it's intimidating, it's like, it's just, <clears throat> it's like, sir, that's just a piece of wood. If he has, if he has more than one fedora and one of them is pinstriped, the pinstripe, oh, the trilbies. I think the pinstripe fedora is the one that's like, I am never speaking to this human being. So when I met my husband, he had three trilbies and I looked at it and I said, oh, I hate those things. And I mean, I was very, it was casual. It was one of those throwaway things. He threw them out. We had just started dating and he's like, you're right. And I'm like, yes. what? Like, I've, I'm not telling you how to dress. That's like not my goal I'm here. I'm telling he's, you how to dress. He's like, no, no, those need to go away. But he Thanks. still teases me about it. He'll be like, I don't know, maybe I should get a trolby. And I'm like, please just, if you want to go ahead, but I'm wearing this cowboy hat everywhere. Oh my god. Oh, that's another one. Cowboy hat with no obvious reason to be wearing a cowboy hat. Other than Texas? Texas, honestly, is not enough of a reason. Like, I'm from North Texas. If you're wearing a cowboy hat in fucking Plano, you're a poser. You are a white man and a poser. In hill country, totally give you a pass. Hey, that's, what, that's what I mean. Without reason. Because I know ranch people here. I know them. They live in towns. They don't have Walmarts. You get to wear as many hats and boots and bolo ties and have the biggest truck you want because you're actually doing something. Hipster ass man who lives in San fucking Marcos. No, you white prick. Take that off. <laughs> My culture is not a costume. Oh God. Okay. You want to talk about affairs because they're not good. They're they're <clears> not <throat> they're not great, friends. They're not great. And also, if it's an open relationship, but it's only open for him, that's not healthy. Or and he didn't tell his girlfriend about it. <laughs> um. So here's here's the whole thing about the affairs. Mm-hmm. One, they were fairly common in this day, but usually Mm -hmm. it was the wealthy man preying on vulnerable women. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's still a wealthy man preying on vulnerable women, but she happens to Mm -hmm. be a married woman, Mm -hmm. which was a little less in fashion, unless you were in the Russian court. Um, So it's very uncomfortable because in this time, it was one of those things that if you were having an affair, you had to be discreet. It was very mm-hmm. important to be discreet because your reputation was everything. Mm-hmm. In Emma's case, because she is has come from a pretty unwealthy background. Mm-hmm. She is a convent girl. She has been raised on these novels. Mm-hmm. She unfortunately does not have the clout or the ability to cloak Mm-hmm. that she would need to be able to get away with this. And that's very horrifying. Basically, it at is. the time, if you were a peasant and you cheated, well, you were usually a man and you'd been drinking. But 
that was that was the whole thing it was like if you were a woman you weren't supposed mm-hmm. to be able to do any of these things if you were married you were supposed to be mm-hmm. completely loyal and that's why it's such a big deal that when things are like when she's first interested in leon she suddenly is like oh well you know i'm going to be a dutiful wife and a great mom and i'm going to do all mm-hmm. of these things and i'm going to distract myself mm-hmm. um and then eventually she's just like fuck it well but also like you usually get this narrative that affairs are easier to hide when you're lower class just because like no one's paying attention to you like no one cares what the serfs are doing so they can just do whatever the hell they want and then it's like that middle to upper middle class that there's a lot of concern about what they're doing and if you're like the king or whatever like of course you're having affairs like we know we know it's expected no one says anything um I think affairs as a narrative tool are interesting and I think especially this one because we see basically two types we do see the very uh, emotional cheating which I think a lot of people assume is more dangerous and then we see the like physical we're gonna have a very very vaguely veiled uh sex in a carriage like you do just so thinly veiled just the most thinly veiled that's like people having sex in the back of a taxi i don't know why you do that that's just that's just inconsiderate as far as i'm concerned for the taxi driver or the uber driver it's just rude friends yeah like it's just it's just inconsiderate honestly i'm not even like that opposed to shit like that but like someone has to clean up after you and as someone who worked in a hot topic and a lot of people tried to have sex in our dressing rooms. Oh. You know those sticks that you use to like get stuff off the high racks? Yeah. We would just jimmy those under. It's like, stop it. Like there's like there's a possum in your trash can. <laughs> like, stop. Get out of there. Uh, but yeah, affairs are interesting. Uh, don't cheat on your partners just i'm not even trying to be puritanical it's just not healthy also tori you have been holding out on me because i was listening to uh, noble blood and they told me about empress anna's ice palace i don't actually know anything about empress anna's ice palace so empress anna was a crazy russian woman oh that sounds right yeah and uh basically she was like I can't have anything that I want. So I'm going to build this immaculate ice palace. And by I, I mean a bunch of like slaves and shit. Like there's, and it's beautiful. And then she would torture people in it by making them sleep in this ice palace, hoping that they won't die. Is this like around Ivan the Terrible era? Uh, let's see. Uh, 1739. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, then I gotta I gotta read about her because yeah, there's a really really good uh, Noble Blood episode about it. Uh, not yet a friend of the podcast because I'm tired of Aaron Mankey. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Got in the ding. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't do as much research about Gustave Flaubert. As He's I not a good person. I think that's why part of it. So here's the thing. I previously got super excited because I thought this was one of the people that Georges Sand had an affair with. But no, no. that was actually Alfred de Musset. 
um, mm-hmm. Gustave Flaubert and George Sund send each other letters all the time. They were really mm-hmm. good friends towards the end of each other's lives, but mm-hmm. there was no affair. No, there was no affair. Which well, was probably better him. for her. Well, she had there many were... affairs. Yes. Yes. Um, because her husband was an abusive dickhead. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so like everyone lately, Gustave Flaubert actually studied law because yep. his family was like, you should be a lawyer. And he's like, damn it. But in this case, he got out of it because he had epilepsy. So Yay. basically he's like, I have seizures sometimes. I need to quit law. And they're like, fine. So he became a writer. Um, mm-hmm. He worked on Madame Bovary for five years. Evidently he used to spend up to 12 hours a day writing and he would shout out sentences to make sure that he had the right rhythm. Who doesn't do that? Anyway, sometimes it would take him a week to write a single page or once he wrote for a year and produced 90 pages total. Good job. Which in today's modern publishing world. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. Unless so, you want to be berated. Yes. Oh, or, you know, everybody yells at George R.R. R. Martin all the time. Why are you watching a show about chess? I just, okay. So I think by this time, most people know I have a very, very love-hate relationship with Game of Thrones. I'm just at the phase knowing that, like, he's going to die. He's just going to be, like, entombed and, like, adipocere. People are still going to be, like, yelling over his tomb. Why didn't you finish it? Right. Okay. Like, it's not even, it's not even that I'm mad at him because I am not invested enough in his characters like that, but it's more of just like, you motherfucker, like, you're going to, you're going to be like one click from save and then you're going to have like a massive stroke and that's going to be it. Please don't. So this novel is a lot like an episode of SVU because it was ripped from the headlines. Um, Supposedly it's based on a real life scandal involving a young French woman named Delphine Delmer. Mm -hmm. She cheated on her spouse and she incurred so much (laughs) debt that she killed herself at the age of 27. What's Mm -hmm. interesting about this is she got married extremely young Mm -hmm. and the stuff ramped up. And so it sparked an idea in Flaubert's head. And he's like, hey, I could do that. So mm-hmm. it was originally serialized in the Re- Revue de Paris in mm-hmm. late 1856. It shocked France because there were explicit, for the time, descriptions of adultery. And this ended up in an obscenity trial that lasted only one day. And mm-hmm. both Flaubert and the magazine were acquitted. Um, the yeah. book ended up being published in two volumes in 1857. And mm-hmm. the dedication in his novel is to the lawyer who defended him like hey thanks bro um i really appreciate Mm -hmm. not being in jail um flaubert may have understood the affair that emma has as he had one of his own with a married poet named louise colette they Mm -hmm. met in 1846 after flaubert's sister died he met her when she was having someone create or sorry he met colette when he was at an artist studio and he was having someone create a death mask for his sister and they ended up exchanging all of these letters with each other. They're very romantic. I love death masks. They're so creepy, but they're so interesting. We're so weird. I know. How did we find each other? I don't know, but I'm thankful every day, man. Same. 
because I can send you things that I really can't send anyone else without getting a oh my god um, wellness check. <laughs> oh my god, same. The the um, the sheer amount of like, okay. <clears throat> Story time from Amanda's doctor's appointment. So I went to go to the urgent care, and uh, the big concern was that I had COVID because you know can't breathe, tired, no energy. Like that's all COVID symptoms. So I, they took my blood pressure and my blood pressure was like sky high, like probably should have been hospitalized really, really high. <laughs> so the doctor came in and he was like, I'm really concerned about your blood pressure. And I said, uh, cause I have a bad habit of self-deprecating or deflecting. I was like, that's cool. He's like, I don't think you having a stroke is cool, but okay. Oh no. And I totally forget that I do that to people because I'm hoping it disarms them enough to just shut up and it didn't work. But like the amount of relatable stuff Tori and I can only send to each other <laughs> because like there's no, obviously like that rhetoric does not work in real life. You cannot deflect that your blood pressure is so high that the doctor looks at you and is like, how are you here still? But Tori lets me sometimes, and that's wonderful. We send each other the, that's literally me. And you're looking at these memes going, ooh, maybe we need an extra therapy session this week. Right, it's, a, it's like a possum on fire in a trash can. It's like, you got this photo of us. It's so like- Really, really excited because I found a possum meme the other day. It says baby possum leaking out of a trash can. It says, I hear you're talking shit. And I posted oh it God. in my group and the one person I wanted to see it <laughs> because she and I know about somebody who's been talking some mad crap lately, oh saw it and liked it. And I'm just cackling. I was like, excellent. Um, that's a story for another best, time offline. I think but. the best one I've shared recently was um, me at 30. Like I'm still young and not old at all. Also me. Time to have a celebratory cup of tea after cleaning the kitchen. 100%. And it's 100%. like, fuck you. How'd you get in my house? How do you know that that's exactly what I'm going to do is have a celebratory air quotes cup of tea. I'm going to put gin in it, but like. <laughs> the one about how one day you're young and cool and the next day you're discussing the merits of air fryers. That was like the one thing we asked for Christmas for <laughs> from my parents and they got it mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And my husband has been cooking everything in the air fryer. And I'm like, oh my God, it. we are these people. Oh, speaking of Christmas, guess whose family is still talking about cheese? Yes. So Amanda, champion of the cheese plate, made yep. a cheese plate for her family. Mm -hmm. And they freaking loved it, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. Yeah, I got like all the heavy hitters of like the cheeses that we like. I got them the Delice. Ooh. I got them Red Dragon. And I got them that uh, Lemon Stilton. Ooh. Right, like I, I went all out. My aunt, we're, we're what, like two weeks out from Christmas, right? She's still eating Red Dragon. And I suggested to do it with hot honey. She bought a tiny little jar of hot honey. She's like, how do you know all of this? It's like, who taught you these secrets? Like it's arcane magic. 
that I shouldn't know. <laughs> you have a special book somewhere. You have a grimoire for cheeses. Right, like it's Castlevania and like I'm some kind of like horrible like cheese seeker. But she was just like, like we had Cornish game hens as our entree. And I have heard less play about a fucking game hen than I have about the cheeses I selected. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that I am everyone's favorite bougie aunt cheesemonger. I am very sad that we have not been able to have cheese plates in a long time. I miss cheese so fucking much. Right? So a couple more things about Flaubert. Yes. Just because <laughs> he was quoted as saying, Madame Bovary is myself. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Sorry. He didn't, I don't think, he didn't kill himself with arsenic though. So anyway, he kept a list and this is the, the petty that we aspire to be. Mm-hmm. He kept a list of what he thought were the dumbest thoughts and ideas he'd seen in newspaper and reading. Mm-hmm. It didn't get published until after he died, but it was ended up published as the dictionary of received ideas and people were pissed, but it was just like, this is dumb y'all. And I love that it was posted I, oh after he died. So it was like, mm, try to try to uh, refute this. I'm dead though. I love this so much, honestly. Speaking of arsenic, that's why your green screen scares me is because it reminds me of Paris green, that arsenical green that killed all those children because they kept eating wallpaper. And the women who wore the dresses and it seeped into their skin and then they would get really sick and die and nobody could figure out why for a hot minute. Yeah, uh, we should probably talk about arsenic for a hot second. Uh, As a poison, okay, this is where Amanda sounds like a serial killer. I just watch a lot of true crime. Um, As a poison, it was very easy to get up until like realistically the 50s, like the 1950s, like you could get arsenic anywhere because it was just like a poison for rats mostly, or ants. I don't know how bad your ant problem is that you need arsenic, but okay. Fun fact, thanks to researching a case that actually happened in Texas in my, <clears throat> where my parents live, um, the a UT ended up being able to determine that somebody had been poisoned with arsenic by studying their ashes. So yeah, that sounds about right. Even if you're cremated, it shows up as a metal. Have a great day. Yeah. Um, Arsenic is a very common poison used for the murder and the self-murder. It tastes horrible and is an agonizing way to go. Like out of all the poisons that you could choose, like if you choose arsenic, you don't like this person. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's such nasty an, stuff. It's I mean like no I'm not going to say any poison is great. But, like, out of all the ones that, like, usually burn through your system pretty fast, one, arsenic takes a while, and two, you feel all of it. It's vomiting, it's diarrhea, it is agonizing gut pain, it is your throat is on fire. It's so bad. And it's not like a lot of other poisons where you can kind of, like, hide the taste. Like, you know something's wrong. It's like... That's why it takes so much to mask it, because it's like, this isn't right. Something's wrong with this. Uh, my favorite was the lady who tried to kill her husband by uh, boiling castor seeds until she could get enough rice and to murder him. Damn. Oh, she was, this woman was fueled by a pettiness 
that I would find respectable if she didn't put it towards murder. But like she would just like spend like weeks just like tending to her beans and everyone's just like oh she's just making soup over there. It's like mm, she's she's not but okay. Poison uh, soup. Oh, I watch too much Deadly Women. Uh, so it is important to hallmark that, really, especially choosing to kill yourself with arsenic. That's a choice, and it's important to mention because you can see, depending on how you read it, as either like an intense moment of self-anguish and guilt and hoping to purify yourself by trial before death or as like a masochistic exercise. Uh, I don't see it as either of those things. I see it as Flaubert being a bougie ass bitch and being like, how do I make this death dramatic? Mission accomplished. Throw in some goddamn arsenic. Yeah. Yay. What's even better is like Charles is sitting there at her bedside and she's suffering and he's like, oh my God. And he doesn't know what's wrong because he's a shitty doctor. It would have been so obvious. Right? Like, even during that time, it would have been like, something's not right. Oh, my God. That's always the thing about, like, deadly women that I hate the most is that it's like, it's like five people die, like, back to back. And it's like, this woman must have a bout of unluck. That was uh, always interesting to me. That and there's... um. Why can't I think of her name? It's always when I need to think of names. Going back to Italy for a minute, there was an Italian woman who used to put harsh metals and chemicals into mm-hmm. powders and stuff like that. So it disguised them as makeup so mm-hmm. that women would be able to poison their husbands. That was a French woman. Was it? Was she French? I thought she there was. was an Italian as well. I mean, there was, oh no, murderous Italians. So many makeup murderers. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I only know that she's French because of lore. God damn it. You made me say something nice about Aaron Mankey. Um. Okay. So did we have to read this in school? I absolutely did. Uh, and I enjoyed it probably too much for being like 17 years old. We did not have to read it. And I'm going to tell <clears> you <throat> right now, even our honors English class probably would not have treated this book with respect. <laughs> I'm just glad they didn't give it to other people. Like, can you imagine 10th graders reading this? I was in 11th grade. So, yeah, I can. I can. So, there are some weird adaptations of this. There's obviously, I always say There's one weird adaptation. Mia Wyakowski's film is interesting. It skips the entire beginning and the Halloween shit at the start. So, it's just Mm kind of like, oh, look, they got married. Oh, look, everything's depressing. The one that blows my mind because growing up in an evangelical household, mm-hmm. Veggie Tales did Madame Blueberry. The F, dude. Because it's Veggie can Tales. I just I'm not say, swear. Can I just say, Veggie Tales is one of those shows that if you told me this was like a Scientology fever dream and didn't really exist, I would 100% believe you. I'm so mad that you made me think about VeggieTales in 2021. So I loved VeggieTales when Mm -hmm. I was younger. Loved it. Mm -hmm. I actually worked in a Lutheran church as a babysitter. 
Mm -hmm. like during services and we would play this and basically the old Disney sing-along VHS tapes so Mm -hmm. that gives you kind of an image but I still to this day will sing oh where is my hairbrush my husband has no concept of this because he never had to come across Veggie Tales Mm -hmm. so I'll just be in the bathroom going oh where is my hairbrush and he's like what is wrong with you I'm upset that like you triggered that in me because now I I'm so mad at you right now. I had a little glow cucumber toy that sang God is bigger than the boogeyman. Oh my God. No. No. So I used to babysit for my religion teacher and same, like, this is like the only thing his kids could watch. And I knew so much of it. Oh my God. VeggieTales is such horrible Christian indoctrination. Uh, I don't think we mentioned this when we did Phantom of the Opera. But there is a Wishbone episode of of the Opera where he is Raul. Yeah, I can't see him being the Phantom. He's too nice of a puppy. I would love for him to be the Phantom, though. Soccer. I still need to go to that grave in Plano and leave, like, dog biscuits. Yeah, we need to. We have a lot of shit that we need to do. We need to send a card to F. Scott Fitzgerald. We need to find a way to flip off Hemingway. I've been to his house. Did you flip him off? No, I played with the cats. Okay, that's fair. Because, first of all, I would love a multi-toed cat. Evidently, I'm not allowed to have any more cats. Two is enough. No, Um, you need one more. Right? I need to fill the hole in my heart left by Banks, but I have been told that, no, we don't need another cat. We don't need any more allergens in this house. Um, plus Nemo is my sweet baby and I want to get one of those sweatshirts that you can put them in and their little head sticks out and then you can just carry them around with you. I don't think he'd like that. He would hate it. He would hate it so much. River would be but that's chill. Not, She'd be like, that's eh, what whatever. About. River I'm would trying be to like, think about it because I, I know Nemo a decent amount. I don't think he'd like that. So when he was a kitten, we used to be able to carry him around in sweatshirt pockets and he loved that. But he was also very tiny and I was like his only source of comfort. So, which is still kind of true. He runs when somebody walks by his food bowl. It's like, baby, nobody's going to take your food. Nobody has taken your food from you in six years. No one's going to take food from you ever again. You're okay. But right. Anyway, Uh, I'm still mad at you for making me think of VeggieTales. We have some resources. We have many resources. So Spark Notes, because I got bored with Wikipedia. Um, Thug Notes, which he actually does a really great version of this. Um, yeah. School of Life video on Gustave Flaubert. Um, and then I School of Life is so good. It is. And then sometimes I feel bad about it. Um, but yeah. I will include the link for VeggieTales just because I can. Um do you want to read Three Musketeers next? D'Artagnan, motherfucker. Yes. Or, or do you want to read The Count of Monte Cristo? Oh, fuck. Uh, 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 Three Musketeers, only because then, in theory we can do that horrible Leonardo DiCaprio man in the iron mask situation. I love that movie. I had a poster for that behind my door in my bedroom growing up in high school. Which we will only explain next episode because the 90s 
Oh God, the nineties. So many drugs. Amanda also needs to go lay down. (laughs) I'm ordering pizza and I'm going to bed. I'm just letting y'all know. I adore you, but I can see you starting to like sink. I can see it. No, it's it's not so much the sinking. It's more of just like, one, I no longer have a concept of time. Just it's, am I conscious or not conscious? Or two, I no longer have the energy to do anything except for in very short bursts of doing everything. Uh, Because also fun fact, while I was leaving the uh, urgent care, they gave me something for my blood pressure because they were concerned about like me dying. What they didn't tell me is that what they gave me was a sedative. Oh no. So I managed to get home safe. I'm fine. And then I immediately crash out for like hours. And Tori knows this about me. I don't really nap. I'm not really one for falling asleep during the middle of the day. Like if the sun's out, Amanda's buns are out, I'm up. I love you so much. (laughs) I know you do. So I like I ate my breakfast, took my other meds, which should not have done because I was given a sedative and then lost consciousness for several hours. Just like face down, prone on the couch. And that fucked with me for like two or three days because I couldn't take anything for sleep. There would just be periods of time where I would just be like watching Kitchen Nightmares because I found uncensored episodes of that. Oh, highly recommend. And I would just be like, lean back and then like two hours pass. Don't give patients sedatives without telling them. That's, that's pretty key. That's pretty key. So I'm okay, but I'm going to order the hell out of some pizza in a minute. Uh, yeah, let's do three musketeers. Sounds good. Okay. I made a reference to Django Unchained, so you guys get a bingo now. Yay. So we're all over social media. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on, I think we're most active on Twitter, which is unfortunately RR. Yes. Um, unfortunately required reading on Facebook. Unfortunately mm-hmm. required reading, or unfortunately required on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then if you just want to go to one place and find us everywhere, it's unfortunately required reading.com. Mm-hmm. And then we have a red bubble. We you do. You can donate to our wine and cheese fund at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. Yeah. You can I'm working on new designs for 2021. Uh, my challenge remains if you have purchased our white tier sticker, I want to fucking see where you put it. Exactly. Tag us at unfortunately RR hashtag white tears. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like it's not even like a shade thing. I just want to know where you put it. I hope, I'm hoping it's just like a bunch of water bottles. Be safe. Yes. Be careful. Yes. Listen to your body. Uh, It's totally okay to not be okay right now. Check on your friends because they love you and support you. And if they don't, fuck them. Well, don't actually fuck them, but you know what I mean? Like, you have to clarify these instructions. Dude, we're, we're not the preacher. We're not? No, I don't think so. 
that was that was my favorite part in a comic ever was go f yourself right now i'd love to be the end of a static shock episode where they have to rope in a moral and they find a inwizened older black person isn't that just the stand i mean yes but static shock did it a lot in the warner brothers animated series oh cat. all cats have appeared on camera today you guys this cat does not look happy to be here he's not he's like baby nemo is like what's happening why are you holding me against my will what is this place do you need to go okay yeah it's a good do cat stuff yeah mostly he comes in here and sleeps on my feet i mean that sounds great he has a special blanket spa i'm excited about your foot spa (laughs) i'm not a foot spa guys i'm old i'm old and downhill i bought a vacuum and a foot spa my daughter wants a foot spa very very badly i will send you the one i got on amazon it is very affordable send me the link and then i'll absolutely she goes i want one of the chairs that they have too and i'm like no no because she's like i want to go get a pedicure and i'm like we're not going to a salon right now i love you i love the no in unison exactly i'm also her mom like i have anything to do with this but just like any no tall baby is tall now and i don't know what to do but uh i laughed last night because i put on lipstick before bed because i have like this uh lip gloss that i really like and i put it on Mm -hmm. and she goes sleeping beautiful is like a hard flex and i just lost it that's my kid now just random random stuff adore her that's so funny because i was told that through my entire like pageant childhood was that it's like you have to sleep pretty you have I'm we are not now, joking. We are now pageant queens. We are. Legitimate, like, you guys. I'm not even making that up. <laughs> we're not. <sighs> like, through my entire pageant childhood was you have to sleep pretty. Because that's how women develop complexes. Is that not all that that is? Oh, no, it's 100%. I remember being a kid and my mom was like, here are the following things that we will not be doing during your childhood. We may live 40 minutes from LA. We will not be auditioning. We will not be doing anything that will put you in the spotlight. You will live a normal childhood. Okay. I don't know any better. Can I have a Barbie? Like, (laughs) That's so great for you. Um, If you'd like to suggest a book for the podcast or just tell us a funny story about your English class, which... uh, None of you guys are in school. I look at the numbers. None of you were in school. But uh, yeah, feel free to hit us up at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Stay safe and go read a book. Yay.